Welcome to the Canicurio podcast powered by Cannabis Media. I'm your host, Ed Keating. Today, we're joined by Lisa Buffo, CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Ed, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Excellent. Excellent. So as I've sometimes read up on these podcasts, I spent uh, a good part of my career working in in an association. So I I appreciate how they work and all the challenges they have. So I'm looking forward to today's conversation. And the first place I wanted to start really is tell us about your background and how did you decide to create the CMA? I mean, that that is not for the faint of art to, you know, go out and create a, a whole association. Yes, that that is correct. Um, my background is in marketing. So um, I, I studied psychology and English undergrad, um, and I've always had an interest in business and entrepreneurship, but um, really thought learning psych and English was, was going to help me with you know, whatever my next steps ended up being after college. And I, I sort of fell into marketing, which kind of will lead you to how we got here. But um, one of my first jobs out of college, and I graduated right when Instagram was becoming a thing, social media and viral social media marketing was just becoming um, realized as a really potent force in marketing. Um, I actually worked for a startup um, nonprofit that was working with service dogs. And part of my job was to be uh, the educational side on the internet. So I was taking pictures of the dogs and posting them on social media um, and educating people about what that organization was doing, which was um, training service dogs to be assistance dogs for veterans. And in that process, we started seeing our social media accounts gain a following and gain a following really quickly. Mm. And that led to increased donations for the organization, increased um, engagement and signups for volunteers, increased education around the model that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up like taking on a whole world of its own where we created a line of merch that we could sell that helps fund the organization. So I, I kind of fell into it in the sense of like young person, social media at the right time. Yep. But then doing it, I saw the power that social media had on on a business and something that needed to bring in uh, revenue or, you know, donations for a nonprofit at the time. And it was really powerful. And I kind of got hooked on marketing um, then, particularly on the tech side in this like engineered virality, if content and storytelling is done right, because it was so powerful in taking an organization that had just started and, you know, we thought was going to take this amount of time and, and this way to fundraise and to kind of shortcut that growth through this platform was just, it was so powerful. So then I, um, I really, so I got my start in marketing like that. And then over the next 10 years, I worked in various different roles in marketing for different organizations, both in the public sector um, and in, in private and nonprofits. And um, I ended up joining the cannabis industry um, that, like I, I can get into the story, but to just answer your question quickly, once I got into cannabis, I, I had a CMO role. So I had sort of worked my way up into different marketing roles. Um, I had a CMO role for a cannabis tech startup. Um, so it was an ancillary business helping to facilitate wholesale transactions online. And I had taken what I had learned in marketing in that space um, or in my prior roles into cannabis and realized that that playbook did not work in this space at all. Oh, you know, interesting. Um, in theory, it would, right? You're like, oh, this is, uh, the content is amazing. And it's such an obvious story. And I started working in the industry in 2014. So right when adult use had started in Colorado and 
it, it felt perfect. But then I started to apply that playbook and realize you can't talk about cannabis on social media. You can't, you don't have right. the same places where you can post content, take out ads um, because of the nature of its federal status. So I had started having meetings on the side um, and I'd say, hey, Ed, you're the, you know, say you're the CMO of this dispensary. Can you talk about how you pulled off this campaign or what did you do when your Instagram account mm. got shut down? Really to help teach myself and my peers at the time. Um, and we called it Cannabis Marketing Association because it sounded professional and it, but it was cool. a very informal thing. And that was how we got started. So uh, for people who aren't familiar with how associations work, they usually they often fall into two or maybe three camps. Some of them are professional associations for people, or they're sometimes trade associations for companies, and some are both. Where do you fit into that? Or where does your uh, association fit into, into that in terms of who is, is going to be a member? So both as far as membership. Um, we do serve individuals and we do serve businesses. So we have two different um, membership tiers in, literally individual and business. Um, and that is the nature of where the industry stands. We have a lot of solopreneurs in the space. We do have a lot of businesses in the space and we have a lot of solopreneurs that will scale up. Um, and particularly on the marketing side, when it comes to marketing services, you can be a solo founder doing, um, you know, creating content, social media, whatnot. You could be an agency of any different size. Um, so that was where that came from. But associations are also typically or can be lobbying organizations that actually represent a group of people in a government to um, or like a lobbying capacity in order to change laws and, and do that. We do not do that. We are more focused on education and content and best practices from the that educational side of the industry as opposed to sure. changing the the laws. So yeah. we we had the name first, admittedly, um, and then kind of built the model around that. But we work we really focus on helping those who produce marketing content for cannabis businesses to put their best foot forward from a compliance standpoint and also just marketing best practices in this space, which do follow that of other industries to some degree, but also there is a level of specificity in cannabis that I haven't quite seen um, anywhere else yet as well. Sure. No, that, that that's absolutely true. So with that in mind, in terms of, you know, what the ethos is of the association, what kinds of people and, and titles, if you will, join or are attracted to that? Like you, you mentioned some of the solopreneurs who are wearing every hat in the building, uh, but, you know, at, at larger organizations where there might be more role specialization, you know, who makes up your membership roles in terms of titles? Yeah, so it's it's marketers. So that can be um, the founder and the CEO who's doing marketing, you know, for the organization. It can be kind of your typical marketing roles, VP marketing, VP brand, CMO, director of marketing, um, you know, head of content. There's a lot of different roles within marketing, kind of depending on the size and specialty of the organization. We work with a lot of agencies as well. So those can be, you know, the account reps, the account coordinators, those who act as um, outsourced or like air marketers um, mm -hmm. that aren't in-house. But you also have a lot of on the license holder side, so cannabis businesses, there's a lot of um, brands and dispensaries who have small teams where they might have, and this was even the case when I, I was doing it, when I was the CMO, I, I was everything. I was the CMO, but I was the entire marketing team. Um, and we've seen that 
it's very common where there will be one marketing person and they might be managing contractors or, you know, working with agencies on behalf of that organization, but internally they are it. And they may have other jobs. We have marketers who are um, CMO and COO, they're CMO and they, they wow. do various admin work or they do um, different forms of operational roles. So because of the nature of the industry, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit, it's, it, um, depending on the organization and how they're structured, just depends on who that point of contact is for marketing. But we really focus on those who are producing content for cannabis businesses. And we do focus on more of that senior level. So we're not really talking or creating content around like marketing 101. Our members are generally experienced um, seasoned marketers to varying degrees um, who are, are tasked with driving that top line or top funnel um, in the business. That makes sense. And it's interesting the way you describe people really having multiple roles. I, on a recent podcast, we had the CEO of Cannabis Staffing and they do hiring. And one of the themes that she touched on is how many companies now are doing fractional roles or temporary mm -hmm. hires or gig because that's, you know, people buying sort of what they need instead of everything. And I, I think on the marketing side, that's probably true as well. Now, one question sort of ties the people and the membership companies together is how are you guys split between let's say license holders or, or an ancillary companies like are they both welcome within the umbrella of the cannabis marketing association yes yes and there's a lot of overlap between them too we will have uh mm -hmm. you know if ed was our member you, you might be with this dispensary this year and then the next year there's a change and you're with this yeah. agency and then you know two years later you're with the brand but you're all still within the ecosystem so we really focus on our members as individuals and as champions given how much change there can be within their own careers within cannabis um, as well as folks who are coming in we get a lot of folks who say hey i've spent you know, 10 years in, at, in CPG or 10 years in, um, you know, maybe more traditional tech, and then they get into cannabis and CMA will be their first stop as far as learning about what is different in marketing in this space before they do what I did, which is build out this beautiful marketing plan that will not work in this industry, whether it's for regulatory constraints, budget reasons, or, you know, the, all the other reasons where marketing doesn't, you know, copy and paste over to this space that you kind of learn on the job. Um, yeah. So, so answer is it, it really can depend, um, but we do serve both license holders, those who work in-house and the, the service providers who service them, but they are ultimately doing the same job, which is creating content on behalf of a licensed business. Yeah. And it, what's interesting is I've always found that it's good to have sort of that hybrid model where you get people from different parts of the industry as, as you articulated, because there's a lot of learning and sharing and, and that career path that people may amble on from left to right. It's helpful to have a place to go back to, or that's sort of a home base in a way where maybe they'll find their next job through a member or, yes. you know, they'll, they'll, they'll move through the marketing mix in a different way of being at the agency or ancillary company or, you know, at a license holder. So yeah, the, the, that, that cross pollination always helps. We find a cannabis media that sometimes Times people may leave uh, one of our customers and then they'll go someplace else and become a customer because they hopefully had a good experience. Like, yeah, I need cannabis media to do my job. So I'm sure it's true of the CMA as well. Very much in, so. In, in terms of um, benefits, it's sort of a big picture question. Um, what are some of the member benefits that people enjoy uh, by being a part of uh, the Cannabis Marketing Association? 
Yeah, so our three big things are education, community, and best practices. So we lead with education because in order to be successful in this space, you have to understand the, the space that you're playing in. That, that comes from both the compliance perspective, but also understanding that each market, um, each vertical in this industry can have its nuance. And that's also changed over the years as the industry has matured, as more uh, states and markets have come online, and as the regulations have matured a bit as far as understanding which ones are consistent, which ones might be a little different. Um, depending on where you are and, you know, how, how that evolves. So we lead with education. We, um, I will say there's sort of like a pre-pandemic CMA and a post-pandemic CMA. <laughs> pre-pandemic, we were doing a lot of in-person events in local um, locales. So we had nine different cities that we were hosting events in. Obviously, the pandemic you know, we had to go all online for a few years. And we had built in that online component where all the content before the pandemic, all the content that we were mm. creating ultimately would live in our uh, our member portal or an online yep. library, which is very standard of associations and um, organizations like ours. So you can go back and reference it. But there's then there's also that in-person component for the networking, the connecting, and the learning live. Yeah. So during the pandemic, we moved obviously completely online for some time. And then instead of doing as much of the smaller local events, we moved to doing um, a larger national conference. So we do have a conference um, in June in Denver called the Cannabis Marketing Summit, which was actually in the in the works in 2020. So we did it. We had to be online in 2020 and 2021. Right. So we yeah. were um, those things panned out at the same time, which was a fun um, learning curve as all those in the event space <laughs> had that year. Um, but we were able to do it in person in 2022 and this year, of course. So we have the education component, which is um, webinars. We have a pretty extensive blog. Um, we have a like a, a member Slack channel. So we'll do like ask me anything's in there. And we do online networking, um, the community aspect. So that's our in-person events. Um, and we do virtual events or like networking, connecting things as well. And then the best practices, which kind of falls in between both of that. Whenever we do content at our conferences or produce something online, whether it's a checklist um, or some research that we've done, it's in the effort of creating that North Star of saying, while we are sometimes I think in the industry, we love to think, oh, we're doing everything for the first time and this is all new. And like, it's like nothing else we've ever done before. And while some of that is true, there is also like, hey, this is what is a best practice in another industry or in marketing as a whole. And right. so we can get 80% of the way there and then take our 20% that we know of what is unique about cannabis. And that kind of leads us towards what we know is the, the best possible way to do this type of um, marketing campaign or initiative. And we've seen that pretty clearly with social media. There, there's a, a lot of this space exists in the gray. And so you have to be comfortable working in cannabis in the gray and cannabis marketing is no different. Um, talk, what, what can and can't you say that is marketing a product without selling it is very subjective in a lot of different ways. So we try to to answer that question, that third component is best practices and say, here's as like the most true North that we know exists, but we don't claim as CMA to know that that comes from our members. So sure. we ask our members to speak from experience and we have standards from that and say, Hey, you know, Ed's been doing this a long time. Here's what he's learned. And we'll give Ed that platform and then, you know, go from there. So 
really the core of our of our model is the community. And we see ourselves as responsive to them. We create content based on what they ask for. And we create with them leading to a degree. Um, we're, we kind of see ourselves more as the producers and the facilitators for that space yep. as opposed to we know best because we, we don't. And every year it changes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, when I used to plan conferences, it was always under the we are smarter than me. And, I, you know, we would just get a great, let's say, steering committee and you get great ideas or they knew people that nobody else knew and you get great speakers. So it, it sounds like you've got a great model there. Uh, wh one of the things that I, I'm really intrigued about, because a lot of associations do these, but it's hard to do them well. And it sounds like you have a neat model is your awards program. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Because you have some very specific criteria as to you know, the kind of awards that you will bestow upon uh, um, somebody who's an entrant into that program. Yeah. So thank you for that question. So awards can be tricky. And I've, um, I've, I've been a submitter to awards. I've been a judge of awards in different spaces, marketing and otherwise. They can often be seen as a popularity contest or like sometimes what I call big shiny object syndrome, where it's like, oh, that's the, you know, that looks the best or that's the you know, the latest, hottest thing. Um, and we really wanted to create a program that was in line with our mission. And I, I would say this for all entrepreneurs and all organizations, when you start as early as possible, write a mission statement, get very clear on that, that will help you manage your team. But it will also help you when you're leading a group, particularly like us, where we have members who have a million different ideas for what we could do, what we could right. do better, how we could serve them. You know, you, you can't do it all. So you've got to pick and you've got to pick and do those things well. So for us, our mission statement is to bring a positive perception to an authentic understanding of cannabis and its consumers around the world. And we basically are interested in that changing the narrative around cannabis and positively rebranding it. But we say, as opposed to us doing that, if we help our members do their jobs better, they are the ones who are putting out the content that the public sees. They're the ones educating um, uh, folks who walk into dispensaries about their products, about what cannabis does and what it is. So if we can help them better communicate more effectively, we will have that, that net change kind of from the, the background, if you will. So um, our awards criteria was um, effectiveness and efficiency. And then is it advancing the image of cannabis? So a lot of, so the efficiency part was saying to our entrants, you know, make the case, but it's marketing, right? And we're still running businesses. You, you can have nice, pretty things, but if it's not ultimately driving your top of funnel or an organizational goal, you're spending right. money just to spend money. And that is what gives marketing um, either a bad rap or when times get tough economically, marketing can be the first to go. So marketers also have to learn how to defend the work that they do and really speak to it. So the effectiveness part is saying, you know, what was your goal and did you accomplish it? And how does that tie into your organization? And then the other part is, along with our mission, is it advancing the image of cannabis? And we really say that in the sense that the conversation up until this point has been about destigmatization, which is you know, in really simple terms, like cannabis isn't as bad as we've been told, but it, it doesn't end there. Like we are no matter what moving forward 20, 40 years down the line, we are still going to be responsible about how we talk about it. What, um, you know, what is that message and where is that coming from? So for us, we want to see content and campaigns that are 
advancing that image, not detracting from it. And there have been um, marketing campaigns in this space that are mm-hmm. quite controversial. They may show, um, you know, use, I would say, older school marketing um, techniques or imagery that is either not inclusive, um, can be, you know, a little bit biased um, or have, you know, haven't been fully thought through. Yeah. We don't want those to... Uh, we basically want to uplift those who are putting in the thought and who are doing the the work sure. and are being conscious about that. So that's where our award program is. It's, it's not one or the other, and it's not necessarily who's the most expensive, but it can be, you know, we've seen small businesses do really fantastic, impactful, powerful campaigns that have a good net for their business, but they may not cost millions of dollars and have, you know, a celebrity in them. And those should be able to play in the same, on the same field as, those that may have more resources or visible recognition. So that's that's sure. where we try to come at it. Got it. Got it. Now, one of the most important tools we have in the space, and I think part of it is because of the age of the industry, is there's a lot of data out there. And, and much of it is driven from the software platforms that maybe handle menus, texting, rewards, point of sale. I mean, there's a bunch, a lot of those companies are our customers. So you know, we're familiar with you know how they work. But I would imagine from a marketer standpoint, that could be a rich trove of information to really help guide those efforts uh, and and hit those efficiency and efficacy goals. Is that right? Data is always a good good thing to consider. When you're running a business, when you're running a marketing campaign, I mean, the language of, of business is finance and the language of marketing is also numbers, right? You are also talking about, you know, how is this showing return? Um, so you need to be able to speak to that. I will say in the early days of the industry, we, there, that data didn't exist. So there was several years, you know, when I started in 2014, it was the first year of adult use. There was no, here's what our sales were last year. It was, here's our baseline. And then over time, we got to see what are the trends, how are things evolving? So it is important, I think, as an industry and as organizations and as professionals to incorporate data into our decision-making, particularly when so many businesses are either bootstrapped or they have much smaller um, financial resources to pull from to execute given, you know, 280E and some of these other things, which I'm sure we'll talk about that you have to make as informed of a decision as possible. So using data is a good thing. But what I like to say, and I have found to be true is that, you know, good data in means good data out. So you need to make sure the resources you're using, whatever it is, whether it's internal or third party, that it is good data and you're you're reading it correctly and interpreting it correctly. And that takes time, particularly when it's larger, a larger data set or something that may be um, new and is still kind of, you know, figuring out how clean it is or what the story is there. But data does tell a story. And as marketers, we want to be able to understand that story so we can make better and more informed decisions going forward. Got it. Got it. Well, it sort of leads me to my next data question about cannabis media, because we started uh, a little bit after uh, you, you came into the industry in 2015. I'm curious if you or your team has had a chance to utilize cannabis media in your efforts to see sort of size, shape uh, and growth of the industry. Yes, we have. Uh, we've used the email platform for our own conferences and our own events. Um, and it has been really helpful. I mean, and we have found the data to be accurate as far as I can understand and tell. 
um, that you update, you know, the licenses regularly, that the contact information is clean, um, and being able to understand and have that resource as opposed to going out and, you know, spending the time to do it yourself saved our team time. Um, and we did see return from it. So we, we used it from the email campaign side, um, but we were very happy. Cool. Cool. Well, we, you know, if the data is not good, you're talking to the guy who can, uh, Get it straightened out. So, so yes. that, that, that's good to hear. Um, <laughs> now, now looking more broadly, I'm, I'm I'm curious because the cannabis economy has been challenged. We've been a bear market for about two years now. Uh, it seems even longer. So, you know, what kind of challenges does that create for your association? You know, what do you have to contend with, and and you know, or even just the regular challenges, not just economic ones. But uh, I'm, I'm just sort of curious. You know, what are the headwinds that that you run into at this point? The economic ones are a big one. And I, I will put this in context for, um, I'm guessing this this is, might be a bit more informed of an audience on this podcast, but for those who don't know, um, from the biggest thing in the marketing conversation to understand is 280E, which basically says that for licensed cannabis businesses, their marketing expenses cannot be written off. So you cannot deduct your marketing expenses when it comes to paying your tax bill at the end of the year. So therefore, marketing budgets are fractions of what they should be. Um, and we have, CMA has data on this. So Outside of the cannabis industry, um, for the larger marketing organizations, the average marketing budget is around 9 to 10%. Um, that dropped during the pandemic. It's starting to recover. In cannabis, it's like one or two tops of gross revenue. Um, yeah. So when you're talking about budgets that small to execute on your campaigns, to join associations, to see return, you have to know where every single dollar is going and you have to see it come back to you. So, you know, when things get tight economically as a whole, cannabis and other industries um, included, marketing can be one of the first functions that gets cut because it has seen as it can be seen as, um, you know, something that would go first. Yeah, it's so, discretionary. Yes, it, which, you know, everyone's got opinions on that. Because if you don't have top of funnel, sometimes you're a bottom of funnel, but it, it, it does. So marketers do need to understand, again, like I was saying, how to be able to say, no, this isn't discretionary. We are a core function of a business and we're able to show return directly tied to revenue. So from the industry perspective and CMA's perspective, we feel when things get tough economically, because even when things are good, they are small and they are lower compared to everybody else um, via 280E from a spending and budget perspective. But cannabis also has like what, what I sometimes say to our team is like a phantom tax where anytime you're trying to like launch a campaign or work with a service provider or, you know, add a technology, you tell them you're in cannabis and sometimes, oh, it's 30% more because you're high risk. And uh, so yeah. things like that also have economic impact because it is still the, the federal status of cannabis hasn't changed. And that's assuming you can work with all the vendors you would want because they're open in this space. I mean, we've seen payment processors kick people off. We've seen um, payroll companies, you know, kick businesses off. We've seen MasterCard. Master, like that, that's, that was this year. It's 2023. We're, you know, almost a decade into adult use legalization. Like these have big impacts on business owners who are already dealing with, um, you know, an uphill climb. So economic headwinds is a big one. Um, Yes, I do think it, we have been in a bear market for quite some time. Don't know when and how <laughs> things are going to change, hopefully sooner than later. But from my experience, almost 10 years in this industry, it, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. It will probably continue to do that. But there is urgent need for uh, reform at a federal level. 
Yeah, totally agree. Now, looking at just at other trends, like on the technology side, are there any other trends that we should be looking out for, especially those that might be like impacting marketing specifically? Um, biggest thing we're hearing about like almost every day is AI. Like chat, huh. GPT, GPT changed everything. Um, there are plugins, AI plugins for everything. We, we have completely internally reevaluated our whole tech stack now with an wow. AI lens. Um, that it, it is a big deal. Um, what would have normally taken, you know, an employee or someone, you know, X amount of hours to do something that can be reduced with the right AI tools. And those tools can help you get data and um, information faster than um, and more efficiently than perhaps that was the case two or three years ago. Um, not to mention just pure content creation. I mean, writing emails, blog posts, researching keywords, like those things can happen way faster and cheaper now through AI tools than not. So it's still early, I think, for me to definitively say, you know, here's mm -hmm. where things are heading or whatnot. But I think what I can say is ignoring AI is a, is a big mistake, both from a marketing perspective and an organizational perspective. Um, and we're going to continue to see it impact businesses in, in different ways. Excellent point. Excellent point. All right. So the last bit of advice for you to, to, to give out to everybody is what do you see as some effective marketing strategies for cannabis businesses? Because, you, you know, all the points you made about challenges economically, challenges sometimes buying for your budget within your company, tough time. So, so what advice do you give to people in terms of good strategies to, to help them? Um, first thing I will say is like, remember your customers are still living, breathing human beings. Like you can hit them with all the fancy design you want and all the like creative copy you want. But if you aren't really treating them as emotional, sentient beings, like they can see right through that and none of that stuff will work. You have to do put the two in context to each other, um, and really build trust and community within them. We've seen businesses spend millions of dollars on fancy campaigns who, don't treat their customers that way. And there's no amount of money that will make up for that. Um, it, it just community and that thoughtfulness really does still go a long way, all fancy tools aside. Um, the other thing I will say is the, the tried and true method of inbound marketing does work and does take time. And that involves creating content that your customers are searching for and helping answer their questions. Cannabis still has a big educational component and even as, and, and again, we'll continue to, and as it gets more competitive, you are going to need to tell consumers why your brand is better than the others or what makes it unique and what makes it stand out and why should they continue to purchase from you. And so to continually create content and be thoughtful about your messaging, again, paired with that, remember, these are still humans on the other side of the screen or package or, you know, um, point of sale I think is ultimately like, remember that as the North star and then the tools and the process and strategy all are, will assist with that, but to not forget like what marketing is at the end of the day. And it's, it's just thoughtful communication from an organization to its customers or prospective customers. Uh, excellent point and good advice. And you know, the, the thing that we often remind ourselves too, is that despite all the challenges the industry is going through, it's still a gigantic market that's still growing. I mean, it, it's tens of billions of dollars and it's continuing to grow every day, every month, every quarter. So, you know, hopefully we can get through the, the economic challenges, including the 280, perhaps descheduling and a lot of other things are getting in the way. So 
Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I learned a lot and, and it's great to hear there's an organization that can serve as kind of that, that North Star and, and just a great place for like minds to be who want to learn more about the best and most effective ways to market into the, into the cannabis industry. I appreciate it, Ed. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'm your host, Ed Keating, and stay tuned for more updates from the Data Vault.